Hello, and welcome back to the Leaders Media podcast. In this series, brought to you by Meta, we shine a light on the progress being made and the challenges being faced in equity, diversity, and inclusion across sport and other industries. I'm Jade Amies, I'm the producer of this podcast, and we've been getting the perspectives of three EDI leaders to guide you through the stages of how to build, execute, monitor, and evaluate an impactful EDI strategy. We've spoken to Chris Paros, EDI consultant and advisor, to Kay Aldridge, EDI director at the ECB, and to Rishi Jane, senior manager of equality, diversity, and inclusion at Liverpool FC. And joining us this week, we have a fourth contributor, award-winning EDI consultant and campaigner Hayley Bennett. Hayley's passion, purpose and work over the past 10 years has been to remove barriers and challenges experienced by marginalised communities across business and sport. In this episode, we will focus on the third stage of building an EDI strategy, measurement and evaluation. How important is measurement in EDI? Why do you need it? What methods can you use to gather quantitative and qualitative data to measure the effectiveness of your EDI strategy? And how do you create an environment where employees feel like they can give their honest feedback? We consulted our experts to answer all of these questions and more. Let's get to it. First of all, we're joined by a new contributor this week, Hayley Bennett. So Hayley... Tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do in the space. So I wear a lot of hats and I was really fortunate that I started my career, if you like, doing kind of what I do now uh, in like the best job I could have possibly got, which was working in anti-discrimination work within football to combine my two passions. And since then, I've just basically made it my mission to reduce inequity and create change within sport and across society. So in terms of what I do, I'm a consultant. And I honestly think like there are some people who give us a bit of a bad rep or like misleading rep, I should say. I think it's harsh if I say bad because I think people think we just come in and do workshops and like tell people that you need to stop discriminating against people and like that's it. Whereas so much of my work is what we're going to talk about today which is actually around designing strategies and as we like talk today what I how I would describe my role and how I describe the role of DEI consultants or EDI consultants whatever you want to um, call yourselves is we bring expertise from multiple different organizations to help companies move from that intention to a plan because the reality is it's very hard um, you could like be the best strategic mind in the world, but if you haven't got experience, if you haven't got know-how of good practice, if you haven't got that ability to analyse the current situation, you can't build an EDI strategy and then you can't implement it without having that expertise. So often people come to me to say, Hayley, we want to start or we've done some work, we want to progress further. Like my brand is quite a progressive brand, so I tend to work with organisations who are like not just starting out or they wanted to do like really do this work properly. So that's where I come in really um, and advise and shape that. I do training as part of this work um, and I do a lot of creative work as well, whether that's designing toolkits, contents, etc. But really how I describe what I do is focusing on the E part. So I talk about equity. So I'm identifying where the barriers exist for inclusion and diversity and equity. And then I'm designing strategic ways that we can overcome them 
um, in a long-term um, matter. Whereas I think people probably confuse that with, yeah, people just delivering training or doing panel talks. We asked our four experts, how important is measurement in EDI and why? Let's start with Rishi. Measurement's tough in EDI. I would say it's um, obviously there's the, the obvious, which is the sort of demographics of your workforce. Um, you could also look at potential incidents of discrimination, hate, reports, etc. within your stadium, online. There's a real balance in that, actually. I think for me, a lot of it is around the culture of an organisation. Um, and there are ways to measure that. And we, we do a lot of work around that. And, but it, for me, the, the measurement is a, is a temperature check of where you're up to. And Kate? So I, again, my my background in, in strategy and it, like, I think measurement in EDI, it's, it's essential. It's absolutely key. It has to be one of the core principles of your EDI work. So I've, I've got a real passion about the power of data and measurement. Um, it doesn't mean it's easy. I think I would, so, so my comparison would be, I think you would never in a business say, I feel like we've made a profit this year, so I don't need to do a P&L. You, you, you shouldn't do that for EDI either. You shouldn't just be able to sit there and say, I feel like we're more inclusive than last year, so I don't need to measure it because I feel like it's true. So back to EDI is just another business function. You would never run your marketing team or your finance team and not measure the impact of the work that they're doing. And one of the things that I've discovered the more time I work in EDI is I might personally feel something. The people in my immediate circle might also agree with me that they feel it. But actually it doesn't mean that your experience is universal. And if you work in a large organization or you have a kind of a dispersed group of organizations that you work with, until you ask everyone how they're feeling, you're just making an assumption and it's probably not true. So when it comes to data, I think it's important to track what we call qualitative as well as quantitative data. So words and numbers and use both of those. So we kind of, we use surveys that allow you to understand how people are feeling um, and you use diversity data to understand the makeup of your organization. And that data kind of allows you to spot patterns and see how experiences differ by group. So if you get good data, you can look at intersectionality, right? So if you're talking about inclusion, do white women feel different to black women who feel different to Asian women within your organization? And you can start to understand really interesting nuances around that. And I think one of the key things is to say, like data isn't the sole answer. It won't tell you everything, but it's a really important part of the puzzle that is worth investing in and worth investing time and resource in, in my mind. What about Hayley? We asked for her perspective. I'm really stuck on this because I'm currently in the middle of writing a very long piece of like thought leadership, I'm going to call it, around like why I feel like we use measurement wrong in EDI a lot of the time. Because I think the issue that I have is we are looking to achieve systemic change. And currently, how people look to measure that is how many people of colour they have in their organisation and how that changes over time. Um, How many women we have on the board, for example. And I think that obviously that's important and representation is key but I do feel like 
measurement of outcomes, which is actually what we do in sport really well. Like if you think of sport development organisations, we're constantly measuring impact through outcomes. That for me is what's really important um, when it comes to EDI, because you can have people in positions of influence and you can measure like progress in terms of the headcount and different like diverse characteristics you've got around the table. But I don't think that always enables us to actually measure the change we want to see. Um, It doesn't necessarily allow us to measure progress on um, advancing equity. So I struggle with it because I think if we did it the right way, measurement is the most important thing because, you know, I'm going to say what people always say, what we measure gets done. Um, Measuring allows us to see where we're progressing and where we're not so that we can address that. But I think the issue that I have is we need to think about what is it that we're actually trying to achieve with our intentions when it comes to EDI. And unfortunately, I think sport is still really guilty of being stuck in this place where we just want to see representation, um, which is why a lot of EDI initiatives are focusing on like just entry level roles and like placements, things that are quite easy to do and board positions, which are unpaid and also quite easy to do. Um, And we're not seeing that change in like senior paid roles. And then we're not seeing reduction in like harassment discrimination that happens within sporting environments we're not seeing people address the high levels of attrition that I see especially amongst like the black people in my network leaving sports organizations so I think we asked to think about what we are measuring which we'll probably chat about as well Chris you know measurement is important in because in business because you've got to prove what you're doing is working but it can also drive the wrong behaviors So that's what I worry about is because you end up with the easy wins and you don't take risks. So, you know, look at science, for example, right? You experiment with things and they fail. So then you try something that you modify and you try something again. And you're not saying you failed 46 times before you made this groundbreaking drug. You go, you made a groundbreaking drug. Yay. We're going to save lives. So I I wish we had a little bit more of that in, in this. So we've established how important measurement is in the EDI space, but what methods can you use to measure the effectiveness of an EDI strategy? Yeah, it's about understanding where the organisation is at. And this goes back to another point that people tend to go wrong on when it comes to doing strategies or just any intervention, is that we think um, we're going to like copy and paste what someone else has done, so that must be the right thing to do. Or we're going to create like a target based on like what should be right for the sector or should be right for my geographic location but the reality is like every organization in sport in particular is so unique like in terms of the size in terms of where you operate you might be global you might be national so what I always start off by doing is really understanding like the realities of where we are to I try and have like one-to-one conversations with as many people as possible or do surveys And it's not just to find out like how included people feel, it's to find out like actually what does your day-to-day job look like? Because we all think we know what someone does who works in comms for a sports development organisation. But I don't know what that involves and where EDI might fit into that. So we have to understand like the realities of that organisation. Because for example, a lot of the time people say we want to, um, we want our team to reflect society that we're in um so if we want our team to reflect the society that we're in we want 13 percent of people from minority ethnic backgrounds but then if your office is in cornwall how are you going to do that 
Is it going to be as easy for you to do? Or if you're an international organisation, does that make sense? You know, so I think it's about getting people to understand it's not just as straightforward as copying or to look at things on like such a macro level. It's about making things as, as relevant and specific as you can. And I think that's a key point, part of measuring and data. It has to be specific. So we'll um, obviously lots of touch points with people through inclusion networks. My approach and has always been one of collaboration and support, and it works quite well actually. Um, people are people will come to me with, with many things, and um, we also sort of work with engagement surveys as well um, to sort of get a temperature check and a bit of a pulse on our people, what they feel about certain topics, and that includes EDI. Um, how impactful are we in our approach? What would you like to see more of? How do you think it works, etc. And those types of things are really useful for us. Uh, and what's also really nice is a really nice way and simple way of measuring it is how many people are getting involved in some of the initiatives. And that might just be as simple as people logging onto a webinar. But if you're seeing a steady increase in certain topics, you can go, actually, we are seeing that this is really relevant to people and do we need to do more about it or actually it's because people are feeling more passionate and more educated. From an external perspective, it's the usual, it's what you'd expect, it's the social engagement, it's the clicks, it's the ing- it's the messages, it's the sentiments, etc. And that's great. Um, it's really positive, actually, to sort of see how that's changed. Um, at the same time, we're able to look at sort of the amount of reports that we get around people may see certain abuse online or whatever, they, they can report that directly to the club. For me, it's only a positive and that increases when we get more reports because people know and feel like they have this confidence in us to be able to address them. And um, that is the same for Instadia instance as well. Um, the more instances that we get reports to us, I'm like, it's great because actually it shows that people will not tolerate that behaviour within our stadium or associated with the football club. Um, so for me, those types of things allow us to go, what we've done will allow us to address certain issues. So recently, um, we did a huge piece of work ahead of the um, home game against Chelsea to address historical and previous incidents of homophobic chanting, and that had reared its head at other games that Chelsea had played in. And um, did a really big proactive campaign around that, and what was really positive there is that you had a real concerted effort from our entire supporter base to ensure that the club as a whole was seen as a welcome and an inclusive environment to LGBT plus people. And we saw that on the day. We saw it online, we saw it from supporters and we saw it from allies. And for me, it actually makes me really proud to see that concerted effort allowed us to measurably and demonstratively say that we were able to address proactively an issue, which in the past, if we hadn't have done that, we may not have been so successful, but we were able to use the messaging and the authentic voices and the strategic approach that we've got to address what is a really important issue for a really important group of our fans and opposition fans as well. So I kind of start with just broadly how you measure effectiveness of strategies and then talk a little bit about EDI specifically. So to measure effectiveness, you basically want to check, did you do what you said you'd do? And then did it work? So we talk quite a lot about KPIs, so key performance indicators and success measures. So Key performance indicators are a way to measure whether your actions are making a difference or whether your plan is working. And I personally think that an action plan should have about three to five key performance indicators, so roughly one per major objective. And it's something like I'm a real stickler for, and I think I compare it to if you told me that you had 30 best friends I'd say that you probably weren't being discerning enough about what makes someone a best friend. So 
in that same way, you can have lots and lots of performance indicators and success measures and things that you measure through your plan. But really, you should only have three to five key performance indicators. Um, you need to be strict about selecting a small number of things which are going to give you that macro view of whether what you're doing is working or not. So when you're looking at, this is this is such a like, I'm so nerdy about this. I, I care a lot about getting the measurement side of things right. Um, but your key performance indicators need to be measurable in a consistent and repeatable way. They need to incentivize the right behavior. And there's some really interesting psychology behind if you get the wrong key performance indicator, you can drive all kinds of poor behaviors as people try to kind of cheat the system. And those key performance indicators need to be helpful to you in understanding impact. So not just, you don't just track them for the sake of tracking them, they need to tell you something. When you're then like looking at setting those key performance indicators, there's broadly kind of three categories that you could consider. So one might be a milestone. So that's normally a simple kind of yes, no. Did you deliver the action or not? So a kind of yes, no KPI. You can have delivery KPIs. So it measures something kind of directly related to your objective and, and how well you delivered it. So if you're doing um, an education program around EDI, your yes, no might be, did I launch my education program on time? Yes or no. Your delivery KPI, or not KPI, but your delivery measure might be what percent of people completed the course. And that's all good. That tells you, have you done your job or not? The final sort of thing you should think about when you're looking at success measures is an impact measure. So fine, you did what you said you're going to do. Did it make any difference? Did it have any impact? So let's say your education program was looking at increasing people's understanding of racism. You then want to make sure you have a measure that looks at whether whether people understand more at the end of the course than they did before, or even starting to tie it to, do you then see behavior change in your workplace because of that education program? And those impact measures are really hard to come up with. You, can't, you need to actually think properly about them. The kind of the delivery measures and the milestone measures, they're normally quite simple. They're like, did I do it or not? How many people took part? But the impact measures are ones where you'll really need to sit down. You might need to get other perspectives in the room. So that's my kind of monologue about generally just measuring strategies. Um, if you then take EDI specifically, and you kind of take the equity, the diversity, and the inclusion part, you kind of measure different things within each of them. Um, but before you do that, it's really important to make sure you have a definition of what you mean by each of those. So what I think inclusion means might be different to what you think, might be different to what your CEO thinks inclusion means. So you need to get everyone on the same page because then you can measure that really clearly. So something that we did in cricket um, to two, three years ago was we introduced what we call a game-wide census. Um, so a bit like the the national census that you get, we've surveyed around about two, two and a half thousand staff who work over the 
50, 60 different cricket organisations. And we asked them key questions around all aspects of EDI. So from an equity perspective, we look at things like perceptions of fairness. So whether that might be fairness in promotions processes, fairness in how people are treated in their organisation. You can kind of then combine that with other information outside of the survey that might be like your gender or ethnicity pay gaps when you're looking at measuring equity. From a deep, so for diversity perspective, anonymized surveys can be quite useful for delving deeper than you might be able to on an HR system. Um, you, we use it to kind of understand people's socioeconomic backgrounds, understand a bit more around disability and long-term health conditions, around sexual orientation. And you can gather a lot of really rich information around the diversity of your workforce through that. To then be able to compare that to under the inclusion side, how do those different demographics feel? Um, so from an inclusion perspective, we ask about if people think their organisation is inclusive, but also if they personally feel welcome, if they feel like they belong, if they feel valued and respected. And, and even there, I've given you four different words that people could think inclusion means. So we look at all of those kind of different aspects. I would say that inclusion is probably the most challenging to measure. Uh, and one of the things to be kind of aware of in that space is if you've got quite a homogenous group of people, so uh, like a not very diverse um, group, your inclusion scores might be really high because people feel welcome and they're, they're surrounded by people who are inverted commas like them. So inclusion can be a really difficult and challenging one to get right. Um, and what I'd encourage people to do is to go out there and look at what does best practice look like in this space. So people have written articles about this. Um, Organisations have been publishing data on this for quite a while. So you're not starting from scratch. This isn't a question that no one's ever asked before. So a lot of what, what I would do and, and talking to kind of other colleagues who work in the EDI space is share information around, oh, it's interesting. This is how it's measured over here. This is how it's measured in this industry could that work for us? So inclusion is probably the area where I've had the most discussions and most debates, even though you feel like it should be obvious to say whether you feel included or not. How you actually then measure that is is probably the most challenging thing. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's, that's a thing that we've done in cricket that I think might be useful to people. Um, yeah, I think data is an incredibly important thing to invest the time in and it will be challenging at the start. But once it gets moving and you get used to the process of data collection, you can then start using it to inform more of your decisions and demonstrate in a really objective way whether you're making progress against your plans or not. And Chris? I do think if you're going to measure anything, you have to measure your outcomes beyond demographics. So... Um, I read something um, by a woman called Lily Sheng and she sort of set out sort of um, eight things, which I think are, are, are interesting around measures. So having an accountability infrastructure. So, you know, a system of, I don't know whether it's incentives or responsibilities. So an organisation holds its leaders accountable for achieving those goals. So, you know, it might be that you appoint a chief um, diversity officer. So you've got someone on your C-suite that's doing that work. Um, it might be that you tie your pay 
you know, you tie your executive pay or bonuses to the achievement of your EDI or your ESG goals, you know? So, or I don't know, look at your senior people and how many of them have got um, EDI related responsibilities in their evaluation promotional pay. So make sure it's baked into your accountability infrastructure. You know, what's your, what is your EDI infrastructure, the formal and informal groups that the organization does its work. So yeah, great. You're going to have your, your employee resource groups and, you know, advisory boards, working groups, etc. But if you're going to look at an outcome metric to that, it's like, what's the funding? that you're giving them where what's the headcount available to each of those who's tasked with doing the work where is it relative what does it look like relative to the size of the organization I mean I could go on I mean I said look up Lily Zheng because it's this stuff is really good but the others I said there are eight things there are there are a few more so progression so the processes and structures related to progression and the outcome metric is the average period of time for an employee to be promoted. So not just like, oh, but look how many women and how many people of colour we've promoted. Okay, yeah, but did it take 23 years or did it take three months? You know, and is that on a par with everybody else, you know? Um, misconduct and conflict revolution, which resolution, which we talked about earlier. So those formal and informal processes to resolve instances of misconduct or, or discrimination. Um, and that's like what your reporting processes look like, what your conflict resolution practices are. And the outcome metric might be the percentage of formal and informal reports resolved in a satisfactory way, not the number of reports. Oh, it's great. We've only had four this year and last year we had 15. Oh, guess what? Why is that? Because you're not incentivizing people. No, we've done all of this work and actually we've got satisfactory resolution. And then well-being, personnel, social impact, environmental impact are the others. As I say, I can talk about those, but I'm kind of conscious of time. But look her up, Lily Zheng, Z-H-E-N-G. It's really good. Welcome back to Leaders in EDI, where we're talking about measurement and evaluation. Quantitative data and qualitative data. You need both, but do our experts have a preference? Uh, quantitative data is way easier to work with. It's much easier to just say, uh, here's a factual piece of information about the demographics of the people in your workforce. Um, I've learned a lot in the past let's say five or six years across this role and a previous one where i've done a lot more uh customer research and i've learned a lot more about the value of focus groups and qualitative data and how actually by speaking to a what i would in my head deem a relatively small number of people so you might speak to 20 or 30 people you can actually start to see really consistent themes and patterns emerging so Often you'll kind of flip back and forth between quantitative and qualitative. So you might gather some data from a kind of survey which points you at something interesting that you go, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that's true. You might then go into a focus group and do some qualitative research to really dig into that further, which can then inform questions that you use in another quantitative survey to say, from the focus group, we learned that these are the top five barriers to inclusion. Put them into a survey and see if one of those barriers is off the charts 
a bigger barrier for people or a bigger barrier for a particular demographic. So I would have said probably 10 years ago, I'd have been like quantitative all the way. I like the numbers. I like that. And I think now I see the power of both of them and how they both interact with each other. And you go back and forth between them to get a better understanding and a deeper understanding. So um, yeah, I think my understanding of it and my respect for it has kind of evolved over time. The more I've seen the power of really kind of the, the that deep qualitative understanding of what's going on. I'd probably say it has to be a bit of both. When you talk in numbers and statistics, there's always a, there has to be a place for them to demonstrate measurable progress, especially when you're talking about specific individuals or groups of individuals or diversity of the workforce, etc., or reporting of incidents. There has to be a, a number there to be able to show we've gone from this to this or a percentage, etc., is always useful. If you're not willing to sort of share those numbers as an organisation, but I do think that qualitative side gives you a bit more of a feel of where the organisation is at and what people think about it. So for me, those two go hand in hand. It's not an either or. Um, it, I don't think it can be in something as complex as a football club, but also something working for being lucky enough and privileged enough to represent a, a football club and a brand that means so much to so many people. And there has to be an element of feeling in there in terms of what you do, because for, for so many people around the world, Liverpool Football Club is the first thought when they wake up in the morning and the last thought when they go to bed. And it's, it's a privilege to work with this football club in that sense. Um, but actually with that, people are going to tell you how they feel. Um, and not necessarily going to be, you can't really demonstrate that in the bar chart and that's fine. Um, but you can use that anecdotal messaging, how their thoughts are, what they work on to actually demonstrate change and progress. Lastly, in order to get an accurate measure of how well a strategy is working, you need existing employees to give open and honest feedback. But how do you create an environment where they feel comfortable doing that? I think that's a really interesting question. So there's kind of different approaches that you can use. So one is kind of where you partner with an independent agency so that there's that confidence that someone independent is assessing assessing what's being said. So if we're talking about a focus group, someone independent is assessing what's being said and collating that into findings. So that kind of independence can be quite important. When we do surveys, there's a real focus on the anonymity aspect of it and the confidentiality. So making clear up front that as an organisation, we're not going to get access to your individual responses. Only the agency running the survey will get that. That we won't report anything whereby there's fewer than 10 people that have answered a certain question because otherwise it becomes identifiable and really leaning into that confidentiality and what are we gonna do with your data? Um, and typically we will find that in an anonymized survey, you might get, I think not we specifically, just generally in research, you'll find an anonymized survey, you might get people being more honest than if you attached your name to it and your job title and all of those things. So using those different mechanisms to give people confidence that there are no ramifications, there's no there's no way that it could be tied back to them, often gives people the confidence to talk more, more openly. 
But then also, I guess, as an organization, going out there and building relationships with people and, and groups, and that might take time. It may t- might take time for people to open up to you and to kind of have that, have that trust to share how they're feeling, but that's a really worthwhile, um, worthwhile investment. And so kind of a bit of that modeling the behavior. So if people are giving you feedback that feels uncomfortable, making sure that you're truly genuinely listening and listening to understand them, not listening to defend yourself or tell them that they're wrong. And then taking that feedback on board and doing something about it builds that feedback loop of trust. Um, that you care about what somebody's saying and that you will take it seriously and there will be positive change as a consequence of them sharing how they feel. For me, it's it's about collaboration. It's about being open to, to collaboration. It's also being open to criticism and feedback. One thing I always say around that side of things is I'm always very welcoming of that feedback and that people's ideas. And I want them. I want people to come and say to me, Rishi, you know what? That was good, but I feel this is how we can make it better. But it has to be for anyone around solutions. I think when you get um, it's, it's particularly tough on social media, but when you get feedback which is which isn't around solutions, it's mainly just critical. It's sometimes it can be hard for many people to stomach that. Um, you can't help but sometimes get your back up around things like that. But actually, if someone's saying there's, I think we could have done it better this way, and this is how I want to help you. That's a very different approach and proposition. Um, and for me, that's how you get people to really buy into it. And that's how they feel like they're part of the, the wider strategy and the wider piece of work. Linked to that is there's a lot of mistrust with like EDI initiatives full stop because people have said that they're doing all this stuff for 10 years and we've not progressed or we've not progressed in the ways people want you to. So actually, my job is so much harder now to get that um, genuine information because I'm having to spend like the least like the first 10% of the work that I'm doing with organisations, getting people to buy into me often. Not always. And I have to say, like, maybe I'm deluded, but I think given, like, the, the success I've had, I'm probably not, people do trust an external consultant. And this is where um, the benefit of bringing someone like me does come in. Because I've literally worked in sporting organisations where they've said to me, well, Hayley, we've got this data, we've got that, we've done the exercises ourselves. And then I've come in and people have told me the opposite because they've seen me as someone external that has no vested interest that they can trust and that they know I'm going to keep it confidential. So I think it, it, I do receive a lot of high quality information and I, you also can read between the lines and this is a skill that you only get from a lot of experience because I've taken a lot of consultants under my wing as well. And like I've had like at least three organisations I've worked with this year where what has been said is not matching up and then I've talked to somebody else and I've been able to connect the dots and that often only comes with with some experience as well so but yeah you're 100% right but I do think like when you have someone independent you do tend to get that level of trust for people to share but it's a good tip for anyone listening you have to have multiple ways that you're collecting information to start designing your strategy um and also I think it's just being mindful that people are mistrust, mistrusting this work and that you might have to like get some people on board and then come back to people once they've seen that it's like of merit. So that's covered all of the questions that we had. Experts, anything to add on this topic of measurement and evaluation? Yeah, I think 
not necessarily answering this question but something I wanted to share for the last question is a really interesting one for me around trust there are two things that stand out every time I work with a sporting brand um, and normally these are like high profile organizations in sport or ones that have a lot of like high profile stakeholders they hate that I put in their strategies and I'm going to share what those are the first one is pay transparency so within sport one of the biggest barriers that exists is the fact that a lot of us are not advertising roles and including salaries on the job adverts and this is a hill I'm gonna die on I'm gonna try and get as much progress on this as I can because we know that not only it puts people off from applying to roles it means and you know there's plenty of data Otto just had released some some data on this it means that women um, particular women of colour are end up getting paid less when they go around to negotiating for these roles and then also it creates unequal pay within organisations so you tend to have people who are on the same level so they might both be heads of or they might both be managers getting paid different amounts which is really unfair so that creates a massive lack of trust and it also shows like not by having not having that transparency that we don't have proper processes in place and we're not um, creating that trust and the second thing is around having but mechanisms for anonymous feedback, in particular for leaders and management. So I constantly get pushed back on this because I think people are equating it to like social media trolls. Like if we have an anonymous way of people feeding back, they're going to just troll us. And I've, I've never seen that in any other brand or any other sector. So I'm like, why do people in sport think that? But I think it's around accountability and people are actually scared. There's not as much like authentic leadership in sport yet that people want to hear what like the entry level person has to say about them through 360 degree feedback or through um an anonymous survey but that has not changed with the pandemic I think it's become more important for like your everyday sort of staff member but I think I'm struggling um with a couple of things at the moment I think people are trusting less like how new opportunities will come about so we know especially within like our sector that there's a social and drinking culture with people attending them less if they've moved out and farther away from the office if they're working more remotely and they're not attending them there's that feeling like am I going to get promoted or am I going to get access to that amazing travel opportunity um so there's that and I think people are just pushing back on the that lifestyle as well to be honest I don't know if you've noticed it when you've been planning events people want to be a bit healthier so there's that and I think the other thing is a lot of struggles around how much we should be in the office and I see that as an EDI issue because if we are like closing people off from flexible working and when I say flexible working I don't just mean remote working it's lots of different things we aren't going to recruit from the widest pool um but also as well I think we need to think about what is our culture is our culture just what happens in these four walls of a tiny office in London or is it how we treat people and that's intentional and that is like a skill that we need to develop through management and leaders. So those are the like two main things I'm seeing and those like two historic things that have like, gone on. But I think it's an important one that's quite endemic to, to this sector. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Leaders and EDI podcast. We'll see you next week for our final episode of the season where we will be talking about crises, reflection and reassessment. 
thank you all for listening and thank you to our guests Chris, Kate, Rishi and Hayley and also to our Diversity Series partners Meta, Prime Video, IMG, Wasserman, Nielsen, Team Marketing and Delta Trey for helping us to bring you the Leaders in EDI podcast. We'll see you next week.